Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Spring Fair 2022, the UK's most diverse, relevant, and exciting buying destination for wholesale home, gift, and fashion. Spring Fair 2022, refueling retail. Hello, and a very warm welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast with me, Mark Faithful. On this episode, we bring you a choice selection of views, interviews, and discussion from the UK's leading wholesale retail event, Spring Fair 2022 in Birmingham. We talk pop-ups with a roundtable discussion on whether they can help rejuvenate our high streets. We showcase a strong showing from some of the standout exhibitors at the show. And we hear from the man who has helped Selfridges, Fennec, Primark and Harrods to grow their physical store sales. Tell us how retailers can cope with change through the lens of a customer-centred culture. All that's coming up on this episode of the Retail Exchange Podcast in partnership with Spring Fair 2022. For those with an eye on wholesale retail, Spring Fair has traditionally had a strong spot on their roster. Its physical presence may well have been on pause since 2020, but this year it's back with a bang to claim the mantle of being Europe's biggest post-pandemic industry event to date, and with a distinct air of hope and optimism as well. Brands, big and small, grace the show to present their wares and propel their products into stores and, ultimately, consumers' homes up and down the UK and beyond. We're going to start the episode by talking to Alan O'Neill, Managing Director of Cara Change Management. A seasoned retail leader who has supported iconic brands including Selfridges, Fennec and Primark, I talked to him to get his views on some of the practical ideas and tactics that can help retailers to embrace change. Alan, thank you so much for joining us today after your keynote at Spring Fair 2022. I'd like to get straight into it and obviously you have uh, experience with Selfridges, Harrods and Fennec, three department store groups that have continued to be very successful. But overall, obviously, the department store market is very challenged. I wonder how you see the sector as a whole. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So, look, there's a lot of fake news about uh, talking about the death of the high street and the retail apocalypse and so on. And particularly, department store retailing has got a bit of a hammering in recent times. But if you look at in the US where this really started, You've got a lot of malls closing down. You've got a lot of the major big department store chains shifting and changing hands and so on. But when you look at why that's happening, Mark, in many cases, it's not because of the fact that customers don't like department store retailing. It's that those companies themselves have changed their business model. Maybe they've been bought over by a venture capital company who want their return, sweating the assets in a period of time. Which And when, the, when those companies are paying money back to the new owners or the banks, it leaves them very little to reinvest in their own stores. And this is the thing about department store retailing. When you look at Selfridges and Harrods and Fennec, why are they so successful? They are reinventing themselves all of the time. Look at the major swing in Selfridges where this project Earth concept, where they're, they're sustainability, they've taken that very topical issue and taken that to the customer's heart and showing the customers how they can recycle, reuse and upgrade and so on selling a second-hand product, for example. But not only that, I mean, Fennec have done the same thing, where they're selling, I think, I think they call it the, the Heritage Collection, where it's actually second-hand product. And that appeals to a certain psyche. They're just small examples of how department store retailing can now create destinations in their stores, where they create an overall customer experience. The days of endless aisles of product alone, where... A buyer could go to the four corners of the world and buy stuff and just put it on shelves in a nice, nicely merchandised, yes, but that's not enough anymore. 
so much more now is needed to compete with online, where you can also get endless aisles of product. And in-store, department stores have space to do that, with, for example, restaurants, and they can increase the dwell time in their stores. But they can also create destinations and within their store that can become quite iconic. I mean, it could be about getting your tennis racket mended. It could be about getting trained on how to wear the pashmina 40 different ways. It could be around what's now we're calling edutainment. And edutainment is that smash word of education and entertainment where the customer is interacted with in store marks. So there, I am a lifetime fan of departmental retailing and I really do see the future for departmental retailers provided they get their act together around the customer experience. It's interesting you say that because I'm sure a huge amount has changed since you first entered the retail industry and yet I thought a key feature of your keynote at Spring Fair was very much about back to basics, about remembering that actually those really important steps in dealing with a customer and making sure they're served in the way they want to be are, are actually done properly. Isn't it hilarious, Mark? So it's back to the future, but back to the future in a way that is real. You know, 30 years I've been consulting in this world, but before that I was actually a retailer. And I remember, I didn't have the language back then, but the three-legged stool was pertinent back then. What's the three-legged stool? It's my way of describing what customer experience is. The three legs are made up of product, people and place. And yes, that's back to basics. When I was a kid at 17 years of age in a retail store, those three things, whilst not that language, were in there somewhere. But it's how they've moved on, Mark. And it's the interpretation that while the basics are still there as product, people in place, but what do you mean by product? In my talk today, I talked about flagships and category killers, for example, that you, you might see in a department store where they can create flagship destinations by working closely with great brands to create a destination in that store. Or a category killer is where they might say, do you know something? We are going to major in men's shirts. We're going to be the destination for men's shirts of all types, casual, formal, and so on, all colors, shapes, and sizes. And we're going to become the destination. So that back to the future stuff, that language of years ago, category killers, flagships, price architecture, good, better, and best, Yes, it has never gone away, but it's how it's interpreted in a modern age. That, to me, is key. And by the way, that point about these ideas of flagships, category killers, good, better and best, is not just for department stores. You could be a store turning over 200 grand a year. The messages in there can apply to you too. You can also create a category killer within your store where you can, within your town, you could be the destination for, let's pretend, candles, which everybody knows is a very, very important category. But why can't you become, in your corner gift store, become the destination in the town for fantastic candles, the full range of good, better and best, and, you know, the beautiful ones that cannot be got on the supermarket around the corner? That, to me, is, yes, to answer your question, it is about going back to basics, but the interpretation of those basics has moved on. But really, a lot of what you're talking about actually goes to that picture of the experience as a whole. Yeah, and this is the thing that I, I, mean, I speak at conferences around the world on the topics of change management and culture and indeed retail. And I focused specifically, I want to give a boost to the retailers here at the show around bricks and mortar retailing. Because so many of them are stressed out because they may not have invested so well in the online part of the business and they feel they can't compete with the Amazons, by the way you can. But I wanted to give them a boost and just remind them that, look, the way to compete with online retailing is through great customer experiences. And that's actually easy to work out. 
when you stand back and use my three-legged framework, which is product, people, and place. But here's the thing. Many retailers miss a trick. They focus just on one of the Ps, maybe two of the Ps. It's all three, Mark. It's product, it's people, and it's place in appropriate proportions. It strikes me that some of the best exponents of that are perhaps a lot of the businesses that are here, because we have a lot of small retailers here and independents and owners who often understandably feel a real passion for their business and for their customers. Would you like to see some of the traditional retailers or larger retailers perhaps look at what some of the startups and smaller retailers are doing and try and learn from them and some of their passion again? Absolutely. I mean, I was a judge on the recent Retail Excellence Award and as part of that judging process, it was very interesting watching, I only saw photographs, Mark, of many of the retail stores up and down the country in at home. And it was just really inspiring and encouraging to see the quality of upgrades that people had done with not much money, by the way. It's not always about spending bundles of cash. It's about just thinking differently and just being creative and innovative with the way you do things. So yes, the big guys could learn from small guys who were doing quite well and vice versa. Today, for example, I gave lots of ideas about what the big guys like Selfridges, Harrods and Fennec and Ann Summer are doing that the small guys here could learn from. And I think we can all learn from each other. And we've touched on practical and pragmatic, but very clearly necessary for retailers. They've had to go through that period because there's been a lot of firefighting uh, because of the pandemic and because of all the issues that came up around that. Do you think that has stymied innovation at all? And would you like to see this now really as the period where retailers push on and, and really apply that innovation and, and reset? So that's exactly what's been happening. Survival was a primary concern. And I write a weekly column in my local Sunday newspaper and I regularly talk about this. Survival was the, was the mantra for a long time. But you know, the government breaks I've, I've a client in the Philippines, they got no breaks whatsoever, Mark, can you imagine? Whereas furlough here really, really helped businesses to, to, to limp over the, that hiatus we've had for the last two years. But now they've got a break out of that. And coming back to shows like this, this show here at the NEC, it's a fantastic opportunity to physically meet people again, see what colours are trending, see what styles are trending, meet suppliers, talk to them. And this to me is absolutely critical. And this, all this, coming to an event like this with an open mind to embrace newness and to embrace not just newness in terms of product market, but also newness in terms of how we work and sit down. I've said it a number of times. Sit down with suppliers and chat to them. Say, look, how can we work together to really get back on track here? You'll find them very open, I'm sure. Alan, it's fantastic to hear all that passion and enthusiasm. I think that's what we all need to inject in to make sure that retail goes through a positive revolution. Thank you so much for your time today great. at Spring Fair. And thank you for having me. Some great questions, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Since 2004, Chive has created innovative and simple designs to highlight the unique beauty of your floral arrangements. A kick to the rear of musty Dutch floristry, Chive's elegant vases easily complement any setting from classic to contemporary and are a wonderful addition to any home, business, wedding or event. I caught up with his head of UK sales and marketing, Phil Azelwood. Phil, start with, tell us a little bit about Chive. Hi Mark, yeah, uh, so Chive, we've been in the UK now nine years, so our first show was actually Autumn Fair 2012. Um, so we've done a lot of spring fairs, we keep coming back because we love it, and uh, we're actually based in Toronto, and we are the kind of the UK, we're the smaller brother of the US and Canadian company. And yeah, myself and Ben, the last nine years have been kind of managing Chive UK. Yeah, we love being at the NEC. We always do Spring Fair and uh, yeah, great to be back. And tell us how so far, how has it been for you? Too busy. 
Uh, and, and I say that because on the first day, we ran out of order forms. So we're not the cool kids that use iPads. We use clipboards and order forms. And on the first day, I had to run to Hall 4, and they were great, and they sorted me out. But we had 26 order forms, and I was like, yeah, that'd be fine. But we had 27 orders. So, uh, so we had to get some more. So no, it's been fantastic. I actually think, touch wood, this is going to be our record show ever which the guys in Canadian HQ are very happy about. So yeah, been great. We're knackered. This is day three, but yeah, we're doing really well. Well, you've got to keep going. We have, yeah. Uh, it's great to hear you've had such a good show so far. Also, can you tell us a little bit about the stand? Because it really caught our eye and you've got some great furniture here as well yes. as the amazing products. So the stand was really an evolution. Say we started here in 2012 and in the last 10 years, we've accumulated this barn wood, which we bought five years ago. So all of this is reconstituted barn wood. And so me and Ben did a dodgy deal on Battersea Park and we got it off the back of a van and we've been chopping it up for the last five years. Well, Ben has, because he's the stand builder. And then these tubs underneath are actually US military linen tubs that our boss in Canada bought 15 years ago. He bought 100 of them and he sent them over to us. And actually what I love about them, Mark, the more they get beaten up, the cooler they look. Because well. they get scratched and everything's falling off, but they kind of work with our stand, don't they? Well, I think we can all relate to that in life, <laughs> can't we? Yeah, there is definitely some synergy between the tubs and, and Ben and myself. And so, that yeah. was an even better answer than we were expecting. <laughs> and finally, what would yeah. you say to anyone that's thinking about exhibiting at Spring Fair? Do Spring Fair, because, and this is not, I'm not just saying this because I'm doing this podcast with you, of all the shows that we've done in the last 10 years in UK and Europe, it's the only one that we've always done. So we've dropped in and out of Autumn Fair, we've dropped in and out of Top Draw, we've dropped in and out of Sweden, Paris, Harrogate, but we've always come back to Spring Fair because it's always been our top show. So there you go. And that's the truth. And your guy over here has not even told me to say that. <laughs> I'm saying that off my own back. So there you go, that's the truth. Thank you so much, Phil. Thank you for your time no and I hope Mark. you enjoy the rest of your show. Thank you very much. Pleasure, cheers. I can well imagine that a great many attendees were walking the halls at Spring Fair with a sense of just being glad to be back at a good old trade show. Danny Heap is the managing director of Gibson Homeware Accessories brand, Assassin Bell. Here's his take on what it's been like returning to exhibiting at a major event after a long enforced hiatus. Danny, to start with, can you tell us a little bit about your business? Yeah, um, we're um, a home and giftware brand. We do affordable giftwares. Uh, we sell wholesale and retail to our customers. We supply um, known fashion brands such as uh, Misguided, Pretty Little Things, ASOS, and they also supply other customers such as onlineers and people who sell through Amazon sales channel. So you're here pretty much trying to appeal to the whole range from the big multiples through to independents and local retailers? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, the stand's very striking. Can you maybe describe it for people on the podcast? And, yeah, it's uh, tell us a bit about full it. Full of vibrant and characterful. We're extremely busy. Uh, we had our best sales day on record. We've been here over 15 years at the show. So yesterday was our best sales day on record. Uh, you walk onto the stand and you see an array of uh, lots of different homewares and kids' products. So we've got kids' rangers here, so water bottles, lunch boxes, lunch bags, etc. Then you go towards the back of the stand and we've got some lovely array of lots of different Christmas lines that have performed really well for us year on year. So you've got some lovely uh, Zari, basically nice stitched uh, and felt products that we have. We have mice here. And then uh, in the middle of the stand, you've got some lovely homewares. So we've got mugs, we've got planters, we've got vases. Our best-selling range is here today, which is Frida. Done well for us year on year. We work with um, Frida Kahlo Corporation. It's a licensed product. It does year very, very well for us and is the best-seller in the UK and a best-seller as a company. 
So you've got something for everyone here. Yeah. So presumably for you, it's really important to actually be able to take a stand and get face to face with people so you can show them what you do. Yeah, we miss them. You know, we miss them over the last two years, especially with COVID kicking in. So we, we do as much as we possibly can through our own sales team, working with their, you know, their customers, you know, having virtual meetings. So we've done the whole virtual meeting. We've set up our showrooms so people can access us easily. Likewise, we've done massive campaigns online to promote what we do as a wholesale and retail business. So trying to get new customers still, you know, whether they find us on the web, whether they bought from us from another, you know, a shop or store or online. And therefore, we've we'd just grown and grown and grown as a business. So yeah, it's been really great show here today. You know, how would you compare this to pre-pandemic? We're way up on, you know, there's more footfall here today, yesterday and Sunday. So the show is doing extremely well. Um, I'm sure they've had more footfall through the door because we're getting to see new customers and our regular customers who buy from us year on year. So yeah, I'm sure it's been a successful show for all, but in particular for ourselves, as I said yesterday, best show day on record. People are loving the, the home and lifestyle products that we offer. So yeah, it's um, worked out really well. I think the partnership with Moda actually is quite good for us. So we've had a lot of people who probably would have bought from fashion who've now come onto our stand and looking at maybe accessory lines that we do or kids ranges that they're having and add on to what they're doing through fashion. Because a lot of what we do is on trend and does follow in line with a lot of what was going in fashion lines with us. So we take inspiration and ideas from fashion. So it's a really good fit. I think Moda, ourselves, Spring Fair has worked out really well for us. Fantastic. Well, that's great to hear. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show and thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Handcrafted in its 200-year-old pottery in Derbyshire, Denby has become an iconic British name around the world. The company is here at Spring Fair 2022, showcasing its latest range of products. I spoke to the company's key account manager, Tim Mason. Tim, there are a lot of smaller retailers and independents here. You're a major brand, so as a major brand, what do you hope to achieve from this year's Spring Fair? The Spring Fair for us is about re-engaging with the existing customers we've got. It's obviously a showcase to launch new products. We've got a couple of new ranges here that people haven't seen before, so existing customers will come and actually feel the product. It's okay seeing the product and seeing it on teams and seeing brochures, but one of Denby's strong points is the glaze and the quality of the product. So you've got to be a, an event like this so people can actually come and touch it, see it, feel it in the flesh, uh, and that's what we do. And it's also very important for us to pick up new customers, which I think this year's show has been quite sort of, um, there's been a lot more new faces than in previous years. Traditionally, because we're an established company, we would have customers that come back time and time again. Now we've seen new customers, Online seems to be a lot stronger. Uh, there's a lot of e-tail customers coming to see us. So again, it's important to be here to pick up new business that you just wouldn't, we, you don't walk around the street these days looking for new accounts. So you've got to be somewhere where people can come and see you. And looking ahead to the rest of the year, where do you see the main opportunities and challenges from a trade marketing perspective? I think the rest of the year for us is a case of managing our capacity. We saw a massive boost in sales during lockdown because people had got flexible income. They weren't going abroad on holidays, so they were spending on the house. And the next thing, you know, if you had a kitchen or a new conservatory, the next thing you tend to look for is things to decorate it with. Tableware is, you know quite high on the list. Denby's a very, very strong recognized brand, so people were spending on that. So at the moment, the, the demand outweighs our capacity. So for us, the rest of the year is sort of trying to manage the customer's expectations, trying to make sure we've got the right product in the right place at the right time. Obviously looking for new business, but primarily trying to grow with the customers that we've got. So that's, that's the main challenge. Well, Tim, it's fantastic to hear you've got so much work coming up and also that you've seen so many new customers at Spring Fair 2022. Thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure, Mark. Nice to meet you.
A key panel session event on the inspiring retail stage for this year's Spring Fair looked at the power of pop-ups, with panellists exploring how pop-ups can be a valuable tool for retailers and local authorities alike to rejuvenate our high streets. Charlie Crocker, founder of the Pop-Up Agents, led the discussion and talked through the local authority-led pop-up scheme, Pop-Up Horsham that acted as a showcase for local businesses and products. So I think the initial concept was something that we, having, I mean, a long time ago, I used to have a market stall and I used to have a pop-up bookshop and that's how I got started in, in pop-up. And then of course, books don't do very well in the winter. So I tried to find a store and, and I realized how hard it was. Obviously pop-up is not a new concept, but the way our ideas are changing and our views are changing. And so for this particular pop-up, we decided we wanted to be able to offer something that was very easy for councils to pick up, a very easy package, but also reflecting the, the power of hybrids. So the QR code was something that it's easy for retailers to generate a QR code. And I think the ones that did best were the ones who had a QR code on every separate product. So you can obviously have one that leads just directly to your website, but if you want more customer sales and interaction, you need one that leads directly to your product. And this was something that was actually more successful than we, we expected to. We expected people to be very more towards the traditional, but again, I think possibly COVID has, has had a hand in this, that people don't really want to have, have cash anymore. Very few are using cards. Uh, possibly this is the way things are going on the high street. So for the retailers to have the QR code in their bag of tools and for it to be very easy for the retailers to move in, the payment system set up, and when they move out, it all goes really smoothly. It's something that we would like to, to kind of shout about to local authorities that we should have the small business on the high street and this is how easy it is. Karina Berry, creator and founder of Plain Jane, had this to say. For me, when the opportunity arose, I didn't really think I was ready for a retail space. So this was perfect for me, actually. So it's in Horsham, I'm based in Devon. I use the pop-up shop as kind of like a showroom for my products. So we had the QR codes, which would direct the customer to my website where they then purchase the product and then I send it onto them from yeah. my base down in Devon. And I'm going to give you a little plug because we've all got your product. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Plain <laughs> yeah, Jane. So, um, when I'm, did you start that journey? Because you were a pretty brave lady. You yeah. started fairly recently. <laughs> yeah, so only yeah, less than two years ago, uh, I was made redundant. Um, I was cabin crew for Emirates in Dubai. Coming out of that in normal circumstances would be hard enough, but um, COVID, mm -hmm. um, it wasn't so easy to just find another job. So I pretty quickly realized I've had to do something for myself. So I started Plain Jane, which is a travel and aviation themed gift shop and been primarily selling on Etsy and joined the pop-up shop last year. And I mean, you've always been quite creative because I can see the prints down there, but how did you go from Etsy to the scheme in Horsham? How did you find out about it? it? Kind of by accident, really. It was through networking, through other cabin crew, ex-cabin crew have started new businesses. So Charlie actually used to be ex-crew <laughs> as well, once upon a time. It's a small world, the travel industry, small world. It? Small world. And yeah, like I said, I didn't really think I was 100% ready for it, but thought this was a great platform it's kind of like an Etsy live really so it was a great platform to go from that to occupying a retail space. Meanwhile fellow panelist Kim Billings founder of Kimmy B gave her view. So I started my business in 2017 and was doing well and then obviously Covid struck it kind of impacted mm. me quite a bit but the great thing about the pop-up shop was being able to meet customers whilst exhibits weren't happening. So um, me or a member of the team were in the store and were able to interact and get feedback and did a lot of charitable things as well around Christmas. You did a lot of events, I think. So Kim was someone, mm -hmm. she was in store the whole time, but she was constantly thinking up new social media content. Yeah. She did a gift wrapping service at Christmas, which was extremely popular. I think you did that for charity. But the 
because she was there the whole time and people could actually see her almost making the product yeah. and she sold very very well I yeah think it, it did I think, really well didn't you i think it just made it much more authentic to meet the maker and Definitely. to understand about the product mm -hmm. and yeah really know the history behind it and um all my products are eco soy wax and the, the candles so they'd like to hear more about you know what the fragrance combinations are and why i come up with them and so it was definitely a, a brilliant platform for me and samantha morgan burtish author and director of zoom the dog offered this advice i've been involved with uh, charlie and various other pop-up schemes um since about 2015 yeah, yeah. a long time ago and uh, and i've always enjoyed the experience and this time i was managing the whole project remotely from switzerland so uh, it was difficult, obviously, because of COVID and all the travel reg regulations. I just couldn't get to the store at all. So we worked really, um, you know, highly with the, the QR code system. And uh, what I also did was, you know, people will buy through the QR code, through the website, and things were shipping directly to the, to the customer. What I also found, though, coming up to Christmas, I wasn't able to get product to customers in, in time through shipping. So we developed a system where um, they would put a, a code into the website and then it would eliminate the delivery charge so then the customer could then take the product with them there and then. To most households in the UK, Pyrex is a familiar name. The company is just one of the big brands exhibiting at Spring Fair. I spoke to the company's trade marketing manager, Poppy Seddon, to find out why trade shows still play a vital role in the trade marketing mix. Welcome, Poppy. First question I've got is, we haven't had face-to-face -face events for a couple of years. I wonder whether you can tell us from a trade marketing point of view, what sort of challenges that's faced and how you got out to consumers and to retailers to talk about your brand. Well, one of the challenges was we didn't know who was going to turn up. Do we still do the fair? You know, were people still worried about what was going on? But we decided we wanted to be out. We wanted to see our people. We wanted these face-to-face -face interactions, especially to introduce our new brand, Joralax. So it was really imperative that we got here and it's been the best decision we've made. It's been fantastic. Poppy, looking forward to the rest of the year, where do you see the opportunities and challenges from a trade marketing perspective? So a lot of the opportunities are these shows and getting back out there. I think some of the challenges still will be convincing people to come back out. You know, there's still a lot of nervousness. We were told a lot of people we wanted to see weren't going to be here today. So I think it's just adapting an approach where we can still see everyone that we want to talk to everyone and everyone can come and see us. And we're doing it in a way that they're comfortable, we're comfortable, um, to make the future brighter. That's fantastic. Well, it's great to hear you're having a great Spring Fair 2022. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Towering over other exhibition spaces at Spring Fair was Europe's largest manufacturer of biodegradable balloons, GMAR, with its double-decker stand. I sat down with the company's UK sales manager, Grant Gilmore, to find out why Spring Fair was the perfect place to bring their brand to life. Can you tell us a little bit about your company, first of all? Yes, of course. We are the biggest latex manufacturing brand in Europe. We are new to the UK, but globally we have a huge network of distributors across Russia, Europe and the United States. We were here in 2020 before the pandemic and we are right back where we left off at the Swing Fair starting again. Well, the obvious question is, what difference are you seeing between this year and the last time you were here? I think this year, despite any expectations I had beforehand of it being quiet. People are coming to meet people this year. We've been disconnected from our suppliers and our customers for two years. So the difference this year is you're kind of grateful for the interactions we're having. People are coming to meet us. It's, it's not just a regular trade show. It is the first of them since the pandemic. So the human interaction this time has been fantastic. 
And of course, that's the one thing we've been missing for the last two years, the opportunity to get face to face and really show people the products. Yeah, exactly. We, we built our brand for the last 12 months. We launched January 2021 and it was all built via Zoom. You know, we didn't meet customers. Some of our biggest suppliers I've only met in the last five days, which has been surreal, really. I think it was the norm. Everyone's expected that. But this is the first time we've actually got to shake hands and talk real proper business for what's to come. So this has been a big opportunity to really launch the business properly onto the stage. A huge opportunity. We, we launched last year, like I said, and we launched into various wholesalers across the UK. We were just a brand that appeared on the shelf. And this is the first time we've got to make a statement. We've got a huge stand, probably the biggest in the party industry with a double decker facility. So our customers and our end users are actually seeing us and thinking, you know, wow, we're, we're here to do business and make a big impact. And I think this year we've achieved that. And I can see some of your products have grow, go green on them. Can you tell us a little bit about sustainability with what you're doing? Yeah, of course, we put sustainability first, JMR. So we've now launched our fully 100% FSC range. That is 100% FSC certification from our plantations where we gather our latex, which is natural rubber latex, all the way through to the distribution network. We're the only brand in the balloon industry to have that credential and it's been a big focus this year. Well, Grant, it's fantastic to have you here. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. No, thank you. Among the standout showings at Spring Fair this year was Paper Salad, which designs and publishes greeting cards bursting with bright colours, produced by hand, using paints, pencils and found papers, and finished with love and care. I'm here with Karen Wilson, who's director and designer of Paper Salad Publishing. This is one of the most vibrant and eye-catching <laughs> stands on the, uh, the whole of Spring Fair. Does that show the optimism you hope for the market at the moment? We designed this stand with our products in mind, so nice and bright and cheerful, our product stands out. We're very optimistic, we've had a really good year, we're growing, so yes, it was worth the spend. And Paper Salad's an eye-catching name as well, can you tell us about that? A uh, bit of a long story, that one. When we were at college, we had a lecture on William Burroughs, and he wrote Naked Lunch, he was a famous author, and when he got writer's block, he used to put, tear up pieces of paper, put them in a hat and draw them out, and it would start a sentence. So we were looking for a name and every name we chose, somebody had already registered at company's house. So we just decided to tear up words that we liked. I pulled out paper and Claire pulled out salad and it just was apt because it's a salad of paper. So <laughs> that's that how sounds, it came about. <laughs> that sounds like a good as reason as any to me. Now, obviously with such vibrant products, I guess it must be really important to be able to get face to face with people. Definitely. Actually show people what you're really Definitely, doing. Definitely, because you can't see the vibrancy of our cards online and all the textures that we use and everything, you can't, you can't, you've got to see it in the flesh and you've got to see it all together as well. And finally, what are you hoping for coming through 2022 now? Obviously a slightly different situation, so how are you feeling about the rest of the year? Well, really optimistic because our product's really good. We've had some interesting meetings. We're going to put our designs on some even more products, like Sainsbury's are asking us to extend the lines, so just do more of that and keep drawing. Well, it's great to hear you've had a good show and such a great client list. Okay. So thank you so much for your time, Karen. Thanks. As we bring this special episode of the Retail Exchange podcast from Spring Fair 2022 to a close, we give the final word to Suzanne Ellingham, Head of Content at Spring Fair 2022, part of the team at Hive Group, the organisers of the event. So Suzanne, Spring Fair 2022, we're back in person. Tell us a bit about how it's been for you and what's different now than pre-pandemic. Uh, I think it's the positivity towards the show. I mean, the pandemic was a pretty rocky ride for everyone, especially within the events industry, but Spring Fair 22 feels amazing. It feels exactly like it was pre-COVID. We're seeing the aisles busy, we're seeing people doing business on the stands, we're seeing visitors come back. We've had incredible days all throughout the show. It's one of the first really big events to come back post-pandemic. 
everyone we're speaking to has been very positive. There just seems to be a, a really, very purposeful vibe to the show. Yeah, actually, I think we're the largest event in Europe to go ahead post-COVID. So Spring Fair being back to full strength really sends a positive message about the events industry and about retail. We talk about refueling retail. The reality is, is that retailers have come here to buy. I think there's an attitude that, or a perception that people have been doing everything through Zoom, are doing everything online. I think the reality is people want to be connected and doing business face to face. And we are a product led show. People come here to see the product and buy the product. And if they're doing that, then it means we've done our job well. And they are absolutely doing that. When you look at the eclectic nature of the products, not just across the whole show, but even on individual stands, you can really see why face-to-face -face is so important, I think. Yeah, I think it's face-to-face. -face. I think it's touching and feeling the products. You know, you can see a picture. I know a lot of retailers that have done buying online and made the mistakes that we make when you buy a whole, when you buy a product and it turns up and it's mini. Now imagine doing that on a pallet. I think pretty much every retailer has had that experience. So I think there's a lot to be said for turning up and seeing the quality of what they're buying. And it also sparks inspiration. You know, we talk about people who build ranges because they see one thing that they absolutely love. And I think you don't necessarily see that until you're walking around. And I think that's what retailers have missed and what Spring Fair delivers. It's that newness. It's them being inspired by a product. It's them building their ranges and comparing and contrasting. And that's really what we are as a buy-in show. It's that inspiration and that buy-in experience that you just can't do through an online platform. And part of that experience is the passion of a lot of the people on the stands who are understandably very passionate about their products and about their businesses. Absolutely. I mean, some of our exhibitors have not seen some of their customers for two years. And I think my feeling is that this is a very much a relationship-led and a people-led business. People do business with people. And I think it's that it's not just the selling the products, it's catching up with customers they've not seen for a few years. And it's that emotional connection that you just can't replicate over Zoom. When we were walking around Autumn Fair, we saw some really emotional people connecting with each other. It's like, it's that, it's that can we hug? It's can we touch elbows? Do we stay a distance away? But people are just happy to reconnect. And we've seen that here throughout the show. So I think for us, it's you know, as organisers, it's nice to see people having some great shows from a business perspective, but it's also nice to see people connecting with each other as well. Suzanne, Spring Fair had to be organised during very challenging times, at the end of even more challenging times. Tell us a bit about just how much of an achievement it is to have this all together again and what the team's done. Yeah, I think the team's done an amazing job, but I think it's worth noting it's not just the team, it's actually the entire Spring Fair community. You know, we have an operations team that has coordinated with the organizers to develop safe and secure messaging. You know, but without the marketing team to message that to everyone and make them feel safe and secure, we don't have a show. But also, our exhibitors are very much our partners. Without them being fully on board and supporting the show and, and really bringing some fantastic stands to life, you know, we don't have a show. So I think there's our team internally that have worked around the clock, especially in January, to make the show happen. But there's also been that collaboration with our exhibitors and also our visitors were very loud in saying that we really need a buy-in show so you know they say no man is an island no certainly no event is an island but i think we have to give a huge shout to not only our own internal team for working so hard but our exhibitors for absolutely collaborating with us to make it happen and finally you've also got some great content some great speakers lots of good workshops for people that weren't able to go to all of them or haven't been able to see them first of all 
Tell us a bit about the content and secondly, is there an opportunity for them to see it elsewhere? Okay, so I think the first question is absolutely it will all be on demand. So there'll be anybody that's registered the show will get an email from us with to access the on-demand content. Alternatively, they can just register for the show again. So it will all be available free of charge post-show, as well as obviously the podcast content as well. So everything will be on-demand and accessible. So our editorial theme this year was empowering change. So what we find is that retail has been through a huge amount of change over the last year. And I think a lot of retailers and, and people in general are not comfortable with change. So it's change in making their products more sustainable, changing their processes, changing moving from from kind of physical to digital. And for a lot of our audience, which are independent retailers, there's some hard transitions to make. These are people who aren't necessarily comfortable with how quickly and how fast-paced change is happening within retail. So I think for us, the content this year is very much structured at helping people change mindsets, giving them hints and tips on sustainability and understanding it's a journey, not somewhere they need to have 100% kind of there. So I think the content this year is aimed to be helpful, to aim to be inspiring, but it's also quite practically relates to a lot of businesses that are here today, be it exhibitors or visitors. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on a fabulous spring fair. Good to be back. Yeah, very good to be back. And we'll see everyone at Autumn Fair in September and, and Glee in July. That's all the time we have here in Birmingham from Spring Fair 2022. A big thank you to all our guests. Be sure to check out all our special episodes from Spring Fair 2022 or theretailexchange.co.uk. That's it from me, Mark Faithful. Thank you for listening. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter. Hashtag Retail Exchange. Thanks for listening. <laughs>